Welcome Generation Church friends and family to our podcast. We pray and believe that this message will encourage you right where you are to slow down and worship Jesus. To get more connected and sign up for community groups, go to generationri.com. God's good. Thank you for being here. Go ahead and take a seat. Um, normally, I would be telling Stephen how much I appreciate the opportunity to speak, so I'll just look at the camera and say, Stephen, when you watch this later, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak today. I appreciate it very much. It's an honor and a privilege, and uh, I thank you for it. Um, so, good morning. Um, normally, I do the announcements. I just want to ask, anybody here for the first time today? Uh, Lisa, right? Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Um, anybody else? Somebody? Are you guys? All right. Thank you for being here. All right. And we love babies. I just want you to know that we love babies. Sometimes babies make noise. It will not phase me. You stay right there as long as you feel comfortable, okay? We are so glad you're here. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you all for being here. Um, we're continuing uh, the series, In God We Trust, and... You know, it's um, that verse uh, from Proverbs, right? He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Um, And I talked about this a few months ago when I preached. Um, Today, we're talking about time and how we need to trust God with our time. So, you know, one of those ways we acknowledge him is in the time that he gives us because the time that we have is from him, right? Every good and perfect gift is from God, and so the time we have on this earth is from God. And so, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, the title of the message is Hurry Up and Wait, okay? Anybody here ever spent any time in the military? No? Anybody? No. So I was in the Army for a total of eight years, two and a half active duty, and five and a half in the National Guard. And a very common phrase in the military, well, at least in the Army, is hurry up and wait, okay? Um, you know, the, the Army is the most effective fighting machine that the Earth has ever seen, but it's chaos. Um, and the reason it's chaos is because they practice chaos every day. And so that when war happens, they're used to practicing it. And so hurry up and wait in the military, getting a little echo, um, in the military, it basically means, okay, when we have something we have to do, we just move as fast as we can to get it done. But a lot of times what ends up happening is, you know, we get this deadline and then we're done, but then we're sitting there with nothing to do. And so we're waiting, right? And what are we waiting for? Waiting to move out, but we can't move out, right? Because we have to get the green light from the other unit. And so now we're sitting there just waiting, okay? Or, you know, we're all waiting to go on our three-day weekend, but you know, no one wants to say you can leave even though you're done at four o'clock because technically we're supposed to work till 4.30. And so we're sitting there doing nothing for half an hour until someone can finally say, all right, we're allowed to leave because the colonel that would normally say you could leave already left at three o'clock, right? Because he doesn't care, right? So anyhow, my point being, you know, the, the phrase hurry up and wait, that's where that comes from, okay? But we're talking about, um, you know, how God has a better plan um, you know, the military might be effective, 
for, for what they're trying to accomplish, but God is trying to accomplish something greater. And so um, I'm going to talk about how we need to hurry up and we need to wait, okay? Um, so, so let's start. We're going to read Psalm 90. Um, and if you want to look on the screen behind me, you can, or um, if you have a Bible, um, please follow along. We're going to follow in the ESV version if it matters to you. Um, also, if you're taking notes, I meant to say this at the beginning, I'd like you to do something for me right now if you're taking notes. And if you're not, just think about it and then try to remember it later, okay? Um, I'd like you to think about the people in your life that are most important to you, okay? Because what we do here on this earth matters, and um, God has a plan for us, and that plan is to make disciples everywhere we go, okay? So I want you to think about the people that are most important in your life. Now I want you to think about the people that are most important in your life that don't know Jesus, that don't know Jesus. Everybody have somebody important in their life that doesn't know Jesus yet? You don't have to raise your hand, but I see heads nodding, okay? All right, so think about that person, okay? Because I'm gonna talk about what we're called to do as we go through this message. And as I do, I want you to be thinking about that person because one thing that you need to take away from today is that we have to have urgency in our lives. Urgency, okay? That means we have to see that something is important and it needs to be done. And sometimes we're called to be the ones to do it, okay? And I'm not talking about where you need to go you know, 90 miles an hour every second of your life. You know, we just had a series on slowing down and that's important too, okay? Okay, getting the right amount of rest, all of that is important, but also having that sense of urgency that we don't just keep pushing things down the line, okay? So we're gonna read from Psalm 90 and just to set the stage, Psalm 90 is the only Psalm written by Moses, it's actually the oldest psalm in the book of Psalms. There's 150 of them, some by David, some by, I think, King Asaph, and a few other authors, mostly David, okay? But this one is written by Moses, and it was written while he was leading the Israelites through the wilderness, okay? Just so you have some context, okay? We're going to read the first 12 verses to start. Before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, that you would make this word real and tangible and applicable to us today. And Lord, I, play, I pray that you would take all of me and pour me out and replace all of me with all of you today. And I thank you, Lord God, that we are all expecting amazing things from the word that comes forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. 
For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. For you have set our our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Thank you, God, for that word. Okay, so so I want to break down this word for you so that you understand why Moses was writing it and how it applies to us, okay? And this is actually a prayer. This was a prayer that he wrote, okay? Um, So the first two verses, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Okay, so this is a common literary technique in the Bible, all right? He's about to tell the people that time is short and that we're small. And so how do you do that? You, make, you wanna make something look small? You put it next to the biggest thing there is, right? And so he's talking about how big God is, how infinite he is, everlasting to everlasting. He's always been, he always will be, okay? You want to feel small, take a drive out west and get out in like Montana or somewhere where you can see mountains or somewhere where there's no buildings and trees. And when you look up and you can just see forever. Now, I'm looking out the windows and technically I can see forever, right? Because I can see the sky and that's infinite, but I see stuff right here. But when you get out west or like when I was in Iraq, you know, you look up at the sky at night and you see all the stars that you can't see here because of all the light that we make, okay? Um, You realize how small you are. And so Moses wants the people to realize that they're small, okay? That God is big, they are small. And there's a reason for this. It's not to make them feel bad. It's for a purpose, right? So now we go to verse three. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Okay, so now he's talking about specifically time and how fast time goes by, right? We all know that phrase, time flies when you're having fun, but time flies no matter what you're doing, right? Okay, he gives some examples here, okay? Um, You know, you think about, you know, you get a long weekend and you're so excited about it and you're thinking about it for days and days and then all of a sudden, you know, it's Sunday night at 10 o'clock and you're laying out your clothes for Monday and the weekend's gone and you're like, man, what happened? I was so excited I couldn't wait. It went by so fast, right? Well, that's what he's saying. It goes by fast, you know, like a watch in the night. You know, they measured time back then in watches, okay? Um, You hear about like, uh, you know, the first watch or the second watch or the third watch of the night, they're in like three-hour increments, okay, as a watch. And, you know, like when I was in the military, we had guard duty. And, you know, when you're like 
the first watch, you know, it's not that bad because you're already awake. Everybody else is going to bed. You're going to stay up, and then you get to go to bed later. But, you know, if you have, like, that middle watch, okay, like, that's the watch I had when, when he was, you know, a little baby boy. You know, I would get up at, like, 1 in the morning to feed him, right? And it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. I get up. Oh, all right, you can barely move, but you got to stay awake, right? And in the military, you, you know, during time of war, you fall asleep on guard duty. They used to say that they could shoot you, right? Because it was that serious, like on the front lines or whatever, because you fall asleep, the enemy could walk right past you. That's why you're guard. You're guard duty, you're watching for the bad guys, right? Well, I used to get up with him, and I'd feed him, and he was great. I'd just wake him up, put the bottle in there, he'd drink it, he'd go right back to sleep, I'd put him in bed. He was the best little baby, okay? He was, he was. He's still, he's still my best little baby. Um, you know, but, but I remember now, looking back, that those, those times went by like that. They went by like that. And after a while, you didn't even think about it. Like, the first couple times, it was hard. But then it just became like, oh, okay, it's my turn to get up. Whatever, get up, goes, he drinks, I go back to bed. And it's fast, okay? It goes by fast. You sweep them away as with a flood, okay? You think about, you ever, um, like, hose off your driveway and, like, you know, in the cracks of the driveway, sometimes the ants make little hills, right? And you're hosing off your driveway and you hose them off and they just sweep away like that, right? Well, like, that's how God looks at, like, God sees the whole world at one time and he can, like, focus right in on you. And, it, like, he loves you so much. You're such a beautiful thing that he created. But he can see everything all at once, too. And so all of a sudden, 10 minutes later to him, is a whole other generation of people, you know? It was, it was uh, you know, 1650, and now it's, you know, 2022, and all the faces are different. It sweeps away like a flood. It's like a dream or a sleep. You know, how many times have you been exhausted, and you're like, oh, I just can't wait to get to bed, right? And then I'm going to get some shut-eye, and then you lay down, and, like, you literally, eh, 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 it's your alarm telling you to get up. It went like that. You're like, what happened? What do you mean? What? Did I set it wrong? Did I set it for p.m. instead of a.m.? Nope, it's 6 a.m. Son of a gun, right? I don't want to get up. I need two more hours, right? It goes by fast, okay? So, you know, he wants them to realize that, you know, God is infinite, but you are not. Time goes by fast. Next, verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger, your anger, God's anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, for all our days pass away under your wrath. So now he's telling them, and the whole reason that it goes by so quick is because of our sin, right? Because of our sin, we are limited in our time on this earth. You, know, you go back to Genesis 3, when he's telling Adam and Eve, you know, now it's going to hurt when you have a baby, and now you have to work, and now you have to eat animals instead of just vegetables, right? And, oh, by the way, I need you to leave the Garden of Eden. Why? Lest you eat from the tree of life and live forever, right? If we had been able to stay in the, in the Garden of Eden, we would live forever, but we don't because we sinned, and all have sinned. So even though it was Adam and Eve, we, we've all sinned. So if it wasn't them, you know, if we were first, it would have been us because we all sinned, okay? So now we go to verse 10. Well, actually, half of verse 9. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. 
Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So he's telling them, you only have so much time on this earth. We're all going to live about 70 years. And if you're lucky, you'll live 80. But what is that extra 10 years going to be? It's just going to be more work. It's just going to be more toil, more struggle on this earth. He's telling them, right? You have so much time. That's it. It's limited, okay? Now he goes for the money shot right here. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days. Remember, this is a prayer. He's crying out to God. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So what's he talking about here? Teach us to number our days. What does that mean? It means that we need to value the time that we have on this earth, okay? Lots of us value time, but only certain parts of time. We value our weekends, or we value our nights, or we value that day that, you know, grandma takes the kids, and then we can have the house to ourselves. and then what do we do? We end up cleaning it or something like that, right? Don't even enjoy it, right? But the point is that we do value our time, some of it, but he's saying to value all of your time, because eventually you will have no more time, and time will be up. You know, um, I learned to value time from my Grampy. Um, ben, you can put up that first picture of Grampy in the uniform. My Grampy was a really extraordinary person. I learned to value time from him in two ways. You know, the first was that he really loved life and he never wasted a minute of it. In fact, he was 16 years old in this picture. He lied about his age so that he could go and fight for our freedom in World War II, okay? He lied. He was on an aircraft carrier during the Battle of Letty Gulf, okay? And, you know, put his life on the line. And, um, you know, he risked everything because he saw something important that he wanted to be a part of. Um, He used to tell me stories about, you know, just hunting or, you know, he had many different jobs, you know, he, was, he worked in textiles for years. And then, you know, he saw an opportunity in sales. So he went to sales and then he was doing real estate. And even when he was in his 70s, I remember he opened up a, a pro shop where he was making custom golf clubs. I didn't even know he golfed, right? He was always doing something. He valued the time, okay? And he was impatient as well. Like if, like I remember that he would like, and he never flew. So he would drive with my mom, up from Florida to see us, and we, he'd be there like two hours, and they'd be like, all right, good, let's go, and then he'd want to get in the car to go to the next place. My mom would have to be like, no, no, we're going to spend more time with everybody, but he like had checked off the box of all the things he wanted to do, okay? Um, and so, you know, he was someone who really valued time, okay? But he also taught me to value time because throughout my life, there were several points where we thought he was going to die, Okay, so when I was 14, you know, he actually lived one town over from us. This is the only time he ever lived close by to me. And he had the whole family together. He took us out to eat because he was getting ready to go in for a triple bypass. 60 years old, you know, and ate like they did back then and had to have heart surgery. He didn't know if he was going to make it. And so he wanted to make sure he saw everybody, told us we love him, you know, he loves us. And now I didn't know this at the time that that was the deal. I thought we were just going to dinner with Grampy, but that was the deal. 
And, um, and he, he valued us, and he valued, you know, pouring into us, um, you know. And so he ended up living, right? And then there were three or four times throughout my life after that where my mom would say, hey, Grampy's not doing too well. You should probably come see him. And so me and my brother Chris would hop on a plane and go see him. You show that next picture? So this right here was, um, I think I was just about to get married. It was a couple of years before we got married. So I was in my early 20s. And my mom was like, you need to go see your Grampy. And so we got in a plane. We flew down. We spent time with him. I did this like two or three times. And we joke. We, you know, we, we talk about how he was like a, a cockroach. You couldn't kill him right? He kept thinking he was going to die, but he, you couldn't kill him. And he was, the, he was literally, we thought he was going to go before every other grandparent, and he outlived them all, okay? And he lived until he was 86. And uh, so back in 2013, he passed away. But he lived a full life, and he taught me to live a full life as well. And um, you can take that picture down. And so we need to realize that our time is limited on this earth. There's only so much time that you have, and you have to make the most of that time, okay? And so, so now I'm going to read a little bit more from, from Psalm 90, okay? So now we're going to go to 13. The prayer goes, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands upon us. You know, some of these phrases almost sound like complaints or like not written in a way that, you know, like, 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 as you have afflicted us, right? We hear these things, and it sounds like negative, but in reality, it's positive, okay? So, so he starts off, return, O Lord, okay? Have pity on your servants. So he's crying out on behalf of the Israelites, okay, who kept disobeying God over and over and over. They complained, they made false idols, they disobeyed him, um, they said, God, I want to go back to Egypt, even though I've seen you do miracles over and over. They ignored what he did and just kept, you know, like a little kid thinking about themselves. So he's crying out to God, have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So, so this verse right here, he's not saying, he's not saying, God, make it better so that we can rejoice. What he's saying is, is Lord, let us be satisfied in the morning where we are now. Let us be satisfied where we are now, okay? Where I am now with my bad back and the job I don't like. Let me be satisfied, okay? Where, where you are now, okay? Where your dad is hurting, okay? Let you be satisfied and rejoice right now even though your dad is sick, okay? When, when, when your back is bad and it hurts, okay? Let me be satisfied right now. We can be satisfied right now where we are and rejoice and be glad all our days, not just the good days. I'm having a good day with my back right now, okay? But some days are horrible. And I need to get to the place where even when my back is horrible 
and hurting and I have to have my son help me out of bed, that I can be satisfied, okay? Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, right? So afflicted us. So he's talking there about how, you know, like all the things that we have to endure because we were escorted out of the Garden of Eden, right? Because we sinned. These days are now an affliction. They're a temporary thing, right? Because we know as believers that what? Good days are coming. Good days are coming, right? My grampy, I believe he is with God right now. It was very hard for me to tell him about Jesus, but I did, okay? My first grandfather who passed, thank God he knew the Lord. And I know he's up there too. And I believe that they're sitting there together arguing about whether the army or the Navy is gonna win this year, okay? But he passed a long time ago, 1996. So like 20 years before my grampy. And my dad called me the day before he passed and said, hey, he's not doing too well. You should give him a call and just say hi. And I was at college and I was like, all right, I was 1996. I was like, I'll call him in the morning. And in the morning he was dead and he was gone. I never got to say goodbye. Now I'm so thankful now that I know that I'm gonna be able to say hello again to him someday. But for a long time, that really wore at me that my grandfather passed and that I didn't get to say goodbye. But my, my grampy, God, I love him so much. He, you know, God is so awesome. You know, in 2009, I had an awesome job and the market crashed. It was already in the midst of crashing and I lost that job. And we lost two houses and we lost our savings and we lost everything. But you know what? God did. God established the work of my hands. God established the work of her hands. And because of that, he serves. And because of that, my daughter will serve. And because of that, I had to move to Florida. And guess what? I was two hours away from my grampy. And so every time I could, I'd say, Leash, why don't you have some personal time to yourself? Go to the, go to the salon, get your nails done. I'm gonna take Ben up to my mom's for the weekend and you can just relax and have some time. And she's like, oh, thank you so much, right? And so I would take Ben up and we'd spend this time with my grampy. And I got to spend more time in that two and a half years than I did my whole life with my grampy. I got to know him. I got to spend time with him. And I kept trying to tell him about Jesus. I'd say, grampy, why don't you come to church with me sometime? And he would always say the same thing. Oh, if I go to church with you, the whole building will burn down. That's what he would say, right? And I never got to ask him why he said that, if it was a joke or if there was something in his life that he did that he felt like was unforgivable, but he said it over and over. And um, I wish I had asked you to bring your Bible today. So, I, so Ben's Bible, in, in the pages of the Bible, I have a piece of paper taped. And so a couple of months before my grampy died, we were up there playing cribbage with him. And... Um, you know, it's funny. We brought those uh, Klondike bars, right? The, the ice cream bars with like Heath Bar crunching them. So we bring these Klondike bars and he was so like diligent about his health after having a heart, you know, bypass years earlier that he would not eat a lot of stuff because he had to keep his weight down. So Ben and I are eating ice cream bars and I'm like, Grampy, you want one? And he's like, no, no, I don't want one, right? So then I take mine and we're playing cards. I take a bite of it. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. And I can see him in the corner of my eye. He goes, he goes, and he hits me on the arm. He goes, all right, I'll have one, I'll have one, right? 
So I give him one. We're all eating our ice cream bars together. And I said, Grampy. And he goes, what? He said, I can't hear you. So I started writing down on the paper. I said, Grampy, I'm scared. He's like, why are you scared? I'm like, because you're getting old. He's like, so? And I'm like, and I don't know if I'm going to see you in heaven because every time I try to ask you about God, you don't answer me. And so I struggled through this conversation with him. And, um, you know, I'm confident now that he knows Jesus. But it was very hard. And I shouldn't have waited until he was three months away from passing, okay? We have to have urgency. Those names that I told you to think about at the beginning, they can go like that. One of my best friends from high school passed away at 38 years old, 12 years ago, from colon cancer, okay? People die all the time. I don't want to scare you. I'm not trying to make you feel afraid. But the truth is that, like Stephen used to use the word vaporous a lot when we first started this church a long time ago. You remember when that was just kind of a a theme, right? That this life is vaporous. It can go like that. It can just disappear. And we have to have that sense of urgency. We're all called. We are all called to make disciples. Some of us are not, if you're like serving in some way, I really love that, okay? I love serving. You might be a greeter or help set up, but that's not all God called you to do. God called you to do that and to make disciples because Jesus said, make disciples, and he was talking to everybody. He wasn't like, Greg, he didn't say Greg first and then say, make disciples, right? Everybody else, hold on, Greg. He didn't do that. He said, make disciples in every corner of the earth. That's a lot of ground to cover. And if he was only talking to 12 people, he probably wouldn't have said, go to every corner of the earth, right? He was talking to everybody. Everybody means we can all reach every corner of the earth. But guess what? As time goes on, people fall through the cracks and new generations come. And some people may not know the word, even though they're surrounded by people that know the word. Why? Because we don't have that sense of urgency. We don't have that sense of, I need to move now. I need to move now, right? And why is that? Because we get focused on ourselves. We get focused on our own pain. And we get focused on what I need, okay? All right, now I know I'm I'm running short on time. I'm gonna read another verse, okay? We're going to Isaiah now, okay? Isaiah 40. You all know this one real well, okay? This, now, now, Isaiah, keep in mind, Isaiah lived in Judah about 750 years after Moses, okay? And when Isaiah was talking, it was because the people were starting to fall back into sin. And he was trying to show them, hey, hey, wake up, stop, stop, stop. You're falling away. Don't fall away. Don't fall away. Please don't fall away, okay? He was trying to show them that they need to be present God has something for you. Please, please don't miss this moment, okay? So here, I'm gonna read this to you. He said, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable, okay? So he's doing the same thing Moses did. He's showing you how great God is, how endless he is, how powerful he is. You might get faint, You might get weary, but God doesn't get weary. He is strong, okay? We are weak. We are fallible. We make mistakes. We think horrible things that we shouldn't think. 
We do things in secret times when no one else sees because we think there's anonymity, but there's no anonymity from him. He knows your sin, okay? And he, he is there, and he is always there, and he is not weak. He is strong, okay? He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. He will give you strength. He will give you power. He will help you when you are saying, okay, I get it. I need urgency, but I don't know how. How? How can I do it? How can I be the one when, God, you know what I did? How can I tell someone about Jesus when you know what I did? When you know how horrible I was to that kid in high school, when you know the things that I say to my wife when I'm angry, when you know the way I treat my kids when they're bothering me in the back of the car. You know these things, God. How? How? Because why? Because God can use anyone. Okay? God can use anyone. Moses, right? We just read that, that prayer that Moses wrote, right? Before Moses was leading the Israelites, what did he do? He killed a man. He murdered a man. Okay, he murdered a man. And then he led 1.2 million Israelites across the desert for 40 years. Okay, and he took a stick and banged on a rock and there was water. He took the staff, he threw it on the ground and it became a snake. He went like this and the seas opened up. Okay, how can someone sinful do what he did? Because God is greater. Because God can do all things because all things are possible with God. Last verse. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the answer right here. We need to wait upon God. What does the word wait mean? Okay, the word wait means to delay action in eager anticipation for an expected outcome. But it also means to serve others, like your waiter waits upon you, okay? We are to delay action, to have eager anticipation for what God is going to do for us, all the while serving God. And how do we serve God? By serving others, by showing the love of Jesus Christ throughout the world, okay? We need to mount up with wings like eagles. To mount up means to be built up, to be built up. How do you get built up? In the word, in the word, okay? In prayer, right here, at group, all those ways we need to be built up, okay? And then we mount up with wings like eagles. You know, eagles, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle get chased by like crows, right? Crows and eagles don't like each other. But guess what? Eagles have special lungs, okay? Their lungs can breathe air at much higher elevations so they can fly and they fly high and they go higher and higher. And after a while, the crows have to fall away because the crows can't breathe that air, okay? The Holy Spirit in you can take you higher than you can go on your own, you know? Now, the other thing that the Holy Spirit can do is give you vision to see things the way God sees, right? An eagle from two miles up in the sky, two miles can see a little mouse on the ground. We can't do that, but with God, we can do that. We can see things the way he sees them. 
if we wait upon him. And lastly, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're not called to wait just so that we can get that thing that we're waiting for. We're called to wait so that we can run. We're called to wait so that we can walk out our walk in faith. And that's what we need to do. We need to stop going around the mountain. We only have 80 years. Those Israelites spent 40 of them in the desert. That's half their life. And most of them had to stay there till they died. But there were two who got to enter in. Caleb and Joshua. The rest all said, God, I can't. God, I can't. God, I can't. But you know what Joshua and Caleb said? They said, though there be giants in the land, we will not be afraid because we can overcome them. Let us go overtake them now. You know, by the time Joshua was able to go in, he was 85 years old. And he was still like, let me at him. Let me go at him because my God is bigger. We have to trust God with our time, okay? If you give God your time, the same way you give him your giving, you know, you give him the first, okay? Give him the first of your time. He's gonna use that. He's gonna take you higher than you ever thought you could go. And you're gonna see things you never thought you could see. But it's only if you trust him. I wanna pray now. I wanna pray now for all of you. And I wanna say this without the least bit of sarcasm in my voice. You know, because every now and then when someone else is preaching, it hits home. And I say, is he talking to me specifically? Because he knows my situation. Is he talking to me? So if you're sitting there and at any point today you've said, is he talking to me? Like he knows my situation. Is he talking to me? The answer is yes. I'm talking to you. God has this message for you. We all need to wake up. We all need to stop wasting our time going around the mountain. We all need to trust God. And we need to start waiting upon him, serving him, serving his kingdom, building his kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. Okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for this time. Lord, we want our kids to serve. We want our kids to know God, to know you. We want our relatives and our friends who we've known our whole life, who don't know Jesus, to know you. Lord, we want to walk out the call you have on our lives. God, we repent. We have allowed sin to get in the way. We have allowed laziness to get in the way. We have been strangled by depression. We have been strangled by bitterness, unforgiveness, betrayal, anxiety. Some of us feel paralyzed and afraid. But Lord, right now we put our trust in you. Right now we say, Lord, we lay those things at your feet. Please, Lord God, fill our lungs so that we can go higher, so that we can rise above those things, so that we can realize that we are seated in the heavenly places with you. Lord God, use us. Use us as we go today. 
Help us to make a conscious choice to serve you. Thank you, Father. And I want to ask, you know, all of this that I'm talking about today is predicated on the assumption that you know Jesus and that he's your Lord and Savior. But if you're not, if your confidence is not in Christ yet, and you realize now that you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I'm asking you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. You know, the word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Now, if you don't have that confidence, I want to give you the chance to pray with me today so that you do. So if you'd like to say that prayer, raise your hand with me today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. Praise God. Okay. Anybody else? Oh, you're good, God. You're so good, God. Okay. All right, we're all going to pray this together. Okay, and I, sometimes I get wordy when I say we're going to pray it together. So if it doesn't, you know, just pray it in your mind along with me, okay? But we're going to pray together. Dear Lord God, I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart. God, I want to serve you for all the days of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, I want to serve you I want to know you more. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit now abides in me. I am a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are made new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.